Guys, hey, it's episode 70 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the, the wonderful opening tune. And here we are, Mike, 70 episodes. 70 deep, man. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm excited about this. Um, we're going to talk about our 40th anniversary issue, uh, the Cannabis Cup coming up in Amsterdam, um, some of the uh, news that's happened recently in cannabis. We got an interview with uh, Harborside's. Uh, Director of Education Rick Frommer, uh, longtime cannabis activist and grower and uh, expert on uh, concentrates and marijuana uh, from Harborside, which is one of the greatest uh, dispensaries there. Uh, We got a uh, strain of the fortnight, and our cultivation segment is us uh, basically answering your questions. It's a big, (laughs) long Q&A. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, Episode 70. We'll be back with more. All right, so here we are, and it's episode number 70. Yes, we are back. Amazing. We are back. 70 episodes deep. Yeah, and it only took us seven and a half years. <laughs> Shorter <laughs> than that, but hey, you know. Episode 70, we, uh, we're we happy to be back here in the studio. Uh, it's been a little while, but I feel like, you know, we're, we're going to knock some rust off today and really get into some good stuff. We've Absolutely. got a ton of Q&A, and that's, yes. that's pretty exciting. Q&A from our listeners, which is very exciting. Because we've been neglecting it. Right. Yeah. And we have a great issue to talk about uh, the 40th anniversary issue of High Times, our November 2014 issue. Um, very impressive, hardbound. Uh, it's like a nice, heavy, awesome looking uh, issue. Yeah, with like shiny foil and um, really cool uh, articles inside. We uh, really went above and beyond to try to just bring uh, bring the heat, as they say, in the uh, the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I did an article in there uh, entitled uh, The Greatest Pot Gardens of All Time and basically went back and, uh, um, you know, looked at some of the indoor, some of the outdoor, some of the things that kind of were innovative and and changed the face of growing that appeared in our pages, which is um, pretty impressive. Some 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 cool stuff there. Uh, Nico did The Greatest Strains of All Time, which yeah, uh, I, I want to talk to you about this because, you know, now that we have you here and know Nico. He's not. He's not in the studio right now. Um, what did you think of this list? Obviously, you were great. consulted on oh, it. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. Um, and, and you know, we were, we all were. It was kind of a, you know, collective effort. Uh, and Nico used a lot of data. You know, a lot of the information that we get from, uh, from having all of these competitions and having a very scientific and uh, excellent system of gathering information about the various strains. So he used that data as well as. Uh, you know, just, you know, some strains are just undeniably have to be on the list. Things like OG Kush and stuff like that, you know. Because well, this is the greatest strains of all time. Not just the 40-year history of high times, but of all time, right? Right, like, right. Mm. 
So yeah. was there anything that you felt uh, should have been on the list that maybe didn't make the list? I mean, I think that's the nature of all lists is that there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you know, Rolling Stone does best albums or this, no, that. They're, they're, you exactly know, they're meant to generate, the question. Right, they're meant yeah. to generate that sort of debate and, oh man, I can't believe they left this off or why would this be on there? All right, it makes um, for good radio. Exactly. Yeah. Which we Which will eventually have <laughs> going on. Um, I told you guys, we're a little rusty. we got to figure this out. Yeah, you know what? I'd have to take a, cl- uh, a closer look at the article. But, you know, obviously, yeah, there's strains that are really close to my heart, like uh, Strawberry Cough and um, Jack Herrer. And, uh, well, now, know. one of those made the list, and the other uh, did not. I'm okay. not going to tell you which was which, <laughs> but if you guys go pick up the November issue, you can find out. Um, as Dan said, it's the 25 greatest mm-hmm. strains of all time, but you also get some honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. So if you felt shortchanged or one of your favorites didn't make the list, uh, there's that option there. Right, and and, and other and another cool thing about this issue is there's a lot of kind of, there are a lot of high times history. Um, there's an interview with uh, Dr. Lester Grinspoon, which is great. There's photographs, uh, the c- most close up photographs, like microscopic photographs of of marijuana. Uh, leaves and trichomes and things like not macro lens photos but actual microscopic photos which was pretty amazing um and a lot of history of the magazine a history of the movement uh to legalize marijuana a history of our you know 40 years is pretty impressive uh for being in in a business that only in the last few years has even been you know technically legal so Mm. Yeah, and there's been some ups and downs, obviously, over all those years. Um, we, we even we just put a book out with Powerhouse about uh, our 40-year anniversary as well that I wrote a chapter in. So if you see that book, uh, pick it up. I wrote. Uh, you can't miss it. It's like a blinding green with, <laughs> um, with right. purple lettering. That's so right. I, and I wrote the chapter on uh, 84 to 94, which is very uh, very pivotal 10-year period where um, you know grow rooms went from indoors to, I mean, from outdoors to indoors, and a lot of innovations and changes were made. A lot of seed companies were formed. A lot of, uh, um, you know, hydroponic and grow light, and all a lot of interesting technology was was advanced during that time. And High Times, you know, obviously was right at the forefront of all that. So, um, yeah, it's a cool issue. It's a really, it's a keepsake. You know, it's something you can you can have around, and you can. Uh, open to pretty much any page of it and and read something interesting about marijuana, about growing, about strains, about, uh, you know, high times. I like how uh, we were, everything that we're experiencing right now is a nitrous dream from 1974. I think that's interesting. Right, that's right. It was actually yeah. There's there's like ten facts you didn't know about the early days of high times written by people who were there. You know, uh, so yeah, interesting stuff for sure about uh, the founder of the magazine and, and the old times and, and and you know into the the new. So kudos to uh, editor in chief Chris Simonek for putting all that together. And um, yeah, it's a great issue. Very proud of it. Um, 40, yeah. Forty years is you know. It's an impressive period of time to be fighting the good fight. Indeed. So that is on newsstands now. You should check it out. As Dan mentioned, we have been around for 40 years. Um, Kind of astonishingly, the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam is now in its 27th year. Yeah, we're we're excited to be there uh, for the 27th year of Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam. It's the, you know, the flagship cup. And, you know, we get what's cool about the cup over there is, you know, the coffee shop experience, being able to go around to all the different shops and smoke openly, which we kind of don't really have over here uh, technically. 
and also um, getting to see a lot of the European uh, vendors, the seed people that um, don't always aren't always able to make it over to the U.S. for our cups here. So you know, people like uh, Simon from Serious Seeds and 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 Soma and and just you know, it's it's just amazing to rub shoulders or rub elbows or whatever with uh, with uh, the people who've been in that in you know been in creating seeds and, and been in the industry over there for years and years and um yeah amsterdam yeah the u.s cups are great and obviously they're very convenient but there's really nothing like amsterdam it's it's an experience that that everyone should uh, experience i mean it's really very cool as dan mentioned you got the coffee shop crawl uh, but the city itself is just uh, really something to be seen mm-hmm. so yeah if you can't make it this year you know keep it on your nugget list and uh you know, scratch. Is that like a bucket list, but for pot? <laughs> but for pot. Interesting. Nugget yeah. list. I like that. So oh, we should, we, we'll put one together for people. Yeah, trademark. <laughs> trademark <laughs> nugget, nugget list. list. Uh, that's November 23rd through 27th. And um, uh, Dan and I are going to be giving out two free passes to this uh, 2014 Amsterdam Cup. So we don't know how we're going to do it yet, but that is going to happen. That's right. you got to um, fly yourself there and put yourself up, but we will give you uh, free passes to the event. Absolutely. So. Um, Stick around for that. And now, uh, you know, we're not going to do a whole news hit here, but uh, there was a big news story in the world of weed that really caught your attention. Oh, the lady in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Charmo. Yes. Kudos to her. I know some people said it, it was an unprofessional thing to do, but um, if you haven't heard heard it yet or seen it, um, she quit her job as a broadcaster uh, in pretty dramatic fashion on live on the air, uh, basically by saying, fuck it, I quit. Um, in order to pursue her career in uh, in medical cannabis for for Alaska, so yeah, which, I think uh, it was yeah. a, a conflict of interest because she's reporting on this, but also she's the owner of a, a shop. Or? Yeah, I think or some a club. A, yeah, a club. A, right. And so, yeah, um, I think she was probably sensed that she was probably not long for the job. Anyway, you know, it sounded like that in the way that she expressed it, and if she hadn't have done it the way that she did it, none of us would have even heard about it. So. Uh, I was pretty impressed with it. I think, you know, no, everybody's... That's, a, that's the best point I think I've heard so far. Because I was saying it's sort of ineloquent. It's a little, uh, you know, it, it rubbed me the wrong way to hear her say, well, l- let's play it real quick for everybody. Okay. Now, everything you've heard is why I, the actual owner of the Alaska Cannabis Club, will be dedicating all of my energy toward fighting for freedom and fairness, which begins with legalizing marijuana here in Alaska. And as for this job, well, not that I have a choice, but... Fuck it. I quit. Yeah, I mean, it, it rubbed me the wrong way initially, her <laughs> doing that. But you just, the, the point you just made, that we would not even be talking about it if she hadn't done it in that kind of dramatic fashion, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's the point she's making now after the fact is that, hey, you know, I, I, I she apologized for using vulgarities uh, if that offended anyone. But she's not making any apology for quitting or for cannabis, which is great. And, it, you know, it really put it in the forefront Um most of the comments that I saw were very positive towards her, of course. And then there was obviously the, you know, the haters that come out. But, you know, I, I say kudos. I thought it was great. I think it, um, it shined, you know, a light on the issue. And hopefully it'll help Alaska pass that law. I mean, that's ultimately what we want to come out of it. So um, that's exciting. We'll know about that in November, I believe, right? 
Yeah, and we should uh, we should try to talk to her. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, gonna, I'd love, I've been trying. I'd love to yeah. talk to her. She's got an open invite to come and chat with High Times, but I'm sure she's very busy right now. I'm sure she's being inundated with <laughs> requests. But exactly, but who better than High Times? Yeah, so. and and another story that kind of is, uh, off of some people's radar, but I think is amazing, is Tommy Chong on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, be, he's pretty openly like you know the stoner guy, and he's doing a great job. Uh, he's over 70 years old, um, fit, you know, dancing. Dude can dance. Yeah. He, well, yeah, he, that's, the, that's the thing is he, he, you know, he already knows how to dance. Like he's no joke. And, uh, you know, it, it just shows, I don't know. I don't know. It's going in on the air to people who are not converted to our cause. You know, the, the average dancing with the stars viewer is probably not, you know, going to pot rallies and, uh, <laughs> and cannabis cups. But they're seeing, uh, you know, a, a man, you know, a dignified, uh, older gentleman who's able to dance, you know, his ass off, basically. And, he, you know, what he's known for is basically smoking pot. He, he beat cancer as well to be That's in this right. position and right was, now. You know, and spent nine months in jail for having a bong company. I mean, right. it, it, it's crazy all the things that, you know, he's been through. But I just think... Uh, you know, if you if you have if you watch Dancing with the Stars, or even if you don't, you know, I don't know, you know, call that number, give him a vote. Uh, I'd love to see, I'd love to see him win the whole thing, and you know, I think that would go a long way um, to changing hearts and minds uh, out there about cannabis. And to Dan's point, um, you know, the demographic for that show is not in our demographic, but to start this whole Tommy Chong experience out. Uh, he's driven onto the stage by Cheech in a lowrider that's filled with smoke, and he ah, gets out, and he's, you know, he's gesturing that he's, you know, uh, hitting a joint with his hand. So, it, you know, it's pretty cool that that's on network television. It definitely would not have happened maybe even five years ago. Exactly. So, interesting yeah. stuff there. Uh, you guys stick around. We have a really interesting interview uh, with Rick Frommer coming up. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys, I know you're interested in growing your own. That's why you're listening to the show. So check out our friends at BC Northern Lights. They make the producer. They make the bloom box. They make the roommate. They make all different grow boxes suited to your needs. You're not growing a ton of plants in there, but you are growing enough to smoke all you want, free weed, as long as you want. And they're designed and built properly. Uh, These are not knockoffs. These aren't Uh, machines that have been repurposed these are built for growing they have hydroponic units automated everything uh you know i mean they're the best they're the ones so give them a call at 888-236-1266 that's 888-236-1266 check them out at bcnorthernlights.com i believe they still have that deal where if you mention free weed to them they will give you six months of free nutrients uh, with the grow box They've been building these things for a long time. They know what they're doing. And, you know, the the, the newest ones have touchscreen technology that uh, exceeds anything that I've seen in the grow box market at all. So check them out. They're our friends, uh, BC Northern Lights. They'll help you grow your own. They've been doing it since 2001. So uh, thanks to them for supporting our show. And we'll be back with more. All right, welcome back, you guys, and uh, we have a great interview in store. Um, I'd like to welcome the Director of Education for Harborside Health Center, uh, Mr. Rick Frommer. Rick, welcome to the show. 
Um, well, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, in case uh, some of our listeners aren't aware of, uh, you know, how maybe how you got involved in uh, in the cannabis uh, industry. You know, take um, us back I a little. Working as an intern for Normal back in in 1987. Um, and through the course of that work, I got to meet Jack Herrer and, and Dennis Perone and many of the other legends of our, our field. But Jack specifically was a big influence on me. Uh, I also met Steve D'Angelo, who I'm still currently working with at that, in that same time period. Um, and Jack basically motivated us all to drop what we were doing with our mainstream lives. Like I was going to college at the time and go out and work on hemp legalization, cannabis legalization full time. Um, Jack's words to me were, F college, you can always go to college. This is important work we're doing. You need to concentrate on this. Um, that began a multi-year odyssey with Debbie Goldsberry, uh, formerly of Berkeley Patients Group, and myself and some other individuals traveling around the United States, um, doing hemp tour events uh, all over the place. High Times uh, hooked up with us in 91, I think it was, um, and, and co-produced events. and. We spent a good four or five years just traveling the country, drumming up support for cannabis. All, all that work kind of rolled into Prop 215 um, with Dennis and Jack and Dale Geringer and Ed Rosenthal and all those folks. Um, then I took a break for a few years, went to Hawaii and came back, started working in cannabis, eventually landing in Berkeley Patients Group in the early 2000s and then over to Harborside in 2006. When we opened up, and I've been at Harborside ever since, so coming on like 27, 28 years now, been doing this, been, been a minute. Yeah, and, and for, for a while you were like the, the head buyer um, for Harborside, basically going through um, all of the meds that would be brought in by uh, different vendors and ba- picking and choosing which ones would be would be sold, is that correct? I set up the purchasing department at Harborside in 2006 and worked in that capacity for almost uh, six years, um, just uh, passing that on a couple years ago to uh, one of my uh, protégés. Um, and, yeah, I got to look at, uh, you know, every every fantasy I'd ever had about cannabis, from Congolese to Thai to Malawi to Cambodian to, you know, every fantasy I'd had reading High Times as a, as a kid growing up. I pretty much got to see some representation of that, um, which has really been pretty amazing. And I, I still work with uh, closely with the purchasing department on kind of the larger macro of supply chain uh, stuff. So I still have my hands very much involved with the, the actual flowers because I and the hashes and stuff because I really uh, enjoyed enjoyed being hands on with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are some of the other duties as far as uh, as director of education? Um, are you working on uh, now? Um, yeah, now I'm concentrating on staff education, mostly staff and public education. So I do all of our staff training programs. Um, we just recently developed a CBD specialist program where we've got several, uh, three of our staff members have been trained extensively in CBD um, uh, knowledge. Uh, we've been working with Dr. Kim Ron from Steep Hill Labs uh, to develop that program. Um, and then how it, how it works is patients can come in and ask for an appointment with a CBD specialist and get a private off-the-floor appointment um, where their needs can be assessed. Uh, we've specifically tailored the program towards, or at least initially, towards uh, mothers or, or parents with, with children that need CBD, since there's been so much, so much press around that. Um, and then I'm, I'm currently working on a terpene education program for the staff, so I'm 
I'm kind of entering that phase of uh, where I'm, I'm teaching teaching more and, and not doing as much operational stuff. Wow, okay. Um, one of the things that you've been um, a proponent of uh, lately uh, for a while is the idea of sun-grown cannabis. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, why that's important and, and, and what that's all about, the sun-grown idea? Sure. Sun-grown came about out of um, in all of our loves of, of, of outdoor cannabis in general. And as a lot of people know, outdoor for a long time wasn't very good. And it was great back in the 70s and 80s. And then the 90s came along and the helicopters came and it forced growers to go underneath the shade of trees and it, it stopped the open sharing of genetics. Uh, so by the late 90s, early 2000s, you had a situation where we, most of the outdoor cannabis was something we would call Mendo muddle or, or uh, it, it just, you know, it was a lot of crossbred genetics, um, a lot of shade grown plants, you know, maybe quarter pound plants or something. Um, the early 2000s with the opening up of the medical scene in California and the, liber the liberalization of the laws around growing in, in Mendocino and Humboldt, Sonoma, um, more people started coming out of the shadows and back into the full, full sunlight. Um, and during that, and also the rise of all these modern seed banks, Cali Connection, Aficionado, uh, you know, the name, the list goes on and on and on. You know, 10 years ago, there was a fraction of that many seed banks, and they were all out of Amsterdam, um, maybe a, a few out of, I don't even think England, or I don't even think uh, Spain was happening at that point, pretty much all out of Amsterdam. Um, so the, the increase in quality in genetics and the increasing knowledge of people that the carbon footprint of indoor cannabis production is just really not sustainable for long-term, large-scale production of cannabis. Um, so those kind of factors all kind of, you know, came together to create a lot of interest around sun-grown cannabis. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people haven't seen really, really top-shelf um, outdoor before. And so we started promoting about this will be our fourth season now that we've been promoting it at Arborside. And in that time, we were also able to rebrand Outdoor, which had these kind of negative connotations as Sun Grown. Um, and it really seemed to resonate with people. And this year particularly, I don't know if it was the drought in California or, or what else, but the national press has picked up a lot on the whole Sun Grown um, brand or, or idea and is really is really promoting it. So we're extremely excited. And I personally, having been a beating the outdoor drum for over a decade, I'm, I'm very happy to see um, that, that change over. Yeah, and you had mentioned uh, earlier a little bit about light deprivation, uh, and you, you said you've been seeing a lot of that lately as well. Yeah, light, light deprivation cannabis is basically greenhouse cannabis uh, that is, has been forced to flower early by drawing some form of blackout curtain or, or tarping over, over the greenhouse. And these greenhouses can range from extremely simple hoop houses, which are just basically PVC hooping or PVC piping bent in a semicircle with some plastic over it, all the way up to glass or plexiglass-sided, you know, full-size greenhouses. Um, but the, the, the advances in the techniques around light depth in the last few years, a lot of indoor growers have started now growing light depth cannabis. And so they've brought their indoor techniques of growing smaller plants, topping multiple times, uh, even supplemental lighting in some cases um, into the greenhouses to produce um, buds that are, are very cosmetically similar to indoor cannabis, 
Um, another, another, in my opinion at least, and I think a lot of people share, reason that the light tip cannabis can be as good or better than the longer season sun grown is that it's getting the full intense light of the, of the sun during its peak flowering cycle. As opposed to peak flowering being in September or October, it's getting that in July or early August. So you're, you're, we're seeing these buds now that are just incredibly dense, resinous, you know, 20, 21, 22% THC testing um, buds um, that are, are, are starting to sway a lot more people. It's also a lot cheaper. You know, people are getting eights that are $15, $20 cheaper than, than the traditional top shelf in, uh, indoor. So um, the light up cannabis this year specifically, I would say, was the year of light up. They had the first ever um, light up only cannabis cup for better lack of cup for competition up in um, Humboldt. We were just out a couple weeks ago. I got lucky enough to be a judge for that. Um, and it was there was over 50 entries and everything was all was all light up. So this light up is really both called the golden tarp uh, golden tarp uh, cup. Uh, interesting. So things are really breaking out uh, around light up and, and sun ground in general this year. It's exciting. Yeah, it's great. And uh, it, it, rather than um, having a carbon footprint, growing in the sun actually reduces the uh, amount of carbon in the air, um, which I think you know is like negative uh, carbon footprint. Um, That's a really good point, actually, Dan. I, I don't I don't think we've ever included that in any of our, <laughs> any of our talking points. But that's a really good point. Right. <laughs> and well, you nitrogen fixing too. If people are actually growing in the in the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, now you mentioned lab testing as well, and you said that there was uh, some some interesting things going on with lab testing right now. Yeah, well, you know, the, the continued challenge of lab testing in California, specifically at least, is that it, there's no state standardization for a lab. So, virtually anybody with access to a gas gas chromatography or liquid chromatography machine can open up a lab and and start testing cannabis. Um, and you see numbers that are wildly over the board. Uh, you know, you'll see some some dispensaries having, you know, claiming to have strains that are 27, 28 percent THC, um, whereas those same strains, you know, take an OG for example, will be at a, a place using a different lab that'll be 18 or 19 percent. So that lack of standardization or regulations for uh, labs um, leaves the consumer in an interesting position because they, you know. They appreciate having the science and having these numbers attached to their cannabis, but they don't necessarily know if those numbers actually bear any resemblance to reality or whether they're just, you know, numbers that they're, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that these labs are, are just falsifying results or anything, but having worked with Steep Hill for the last six years almost now, um, there's a lot of variance in lab testing and, and there's a lot of things that cause uh, machines to not give accurate results or results to not be interpreted correctly. And, and so until we get some form of state or national, hopefully eventually, regulations and, and guidelines for lab testing, the consumer is still going to just have to trust the dispensary or the store that they're going to that is posting um, you know, results. And I think most of the dispensaries are posting in good faith. I don't think they're you know disbelieving those numbers but we we've done blind we've done blind sampling where we've sent the exact sample to multiple different labs around the state and gotten radically different results back like the experience is as high as 10 10 plus percent on things interesting um you also you had mentioned that uh you know you've been involved in the cannabis uh, legalization efforts uh for you know, since 1987 um 
first off, maybe uh, can you talk a little bit about um, how you feel about how far we've come and then uh, give us an idea of what's going to be happening in California in the next couple of years? Um, I mean, it's, I, it's amazing how far we've come. I don't, you know, back in the dark days of the 80s and 90s, I don't know if, I mean, we all obviously wanted to come this far and even farther, but um, didn't know if we were ever going to really actually get there. Um, and so to see, you know, what Colorado and Washington have done in the last couple of years and the opening up of attitudes, I mean, Dr. Sanjay Gupta's show on CNN recently, and to see all these states that are adopting you know, conservative states, Alabama, Tennessee, Utah, that are adopting CBD uh, laws, um, allowing at least some form of, of benefit of, you know, acknowledging that there is some form of medical benefit for cannabis. Um, I mean, we are making huge, huge strides. You know, we have come, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, you've been around for, for quite a while too. And, and just the way that we're treated in the press, you know, we've moved from the Cheech and Chong era into an era of, you know, fairly legitimate respectability um, and, and legalization now in Colorado and Washington. So California, we should have been first in California. We are long overdue for legalization here. Um, I, I just saw today that MPP has filed their paperwork um, to uh, start the initiative process for 2016 in California. Um, it's going to be a battle, as it always is in the, in the cannabis movement, between all the various different stakeholders and interest holders and in, in how the language gets written. And, you know, is it going to be 18 or 21? Are, they, are all the current dispensaries going to allow to just be able to open up and sell the way they did in Colorado? Or is there going to need to be a whole new vetting system for, you know, who gets licenses to sell cannabis? So there's, you know, California is, is a big, complex state with a lot of different interests in it, and I'm sure that the cannabis uh, initiative process is going to be full of um, lots of spirited discussion on, on what gets into the final language. But we're very excited for, you know, and we'll, we'll be happy when we can open the doors at Harborside to everybody that wants to come in the doors, rather than having to get doctor's notes. Excellent. Excellent. Um do you have any uh, any good Jack Herrer stories from uh, from back in the day that you can think of? Yeah, yeah, I've got a great Jack story. Jack, we were at a, uh, a concert in um, uh, a Grateful Dead concert at Cal Expo, nineteen ninety or ninety one, and. Uh, Jack forced me to uh, uh, indulge in some substances that uh, got me extremely uh, medicated, to say the least. Um, and then after the show, I had to go and crash out. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, sell. Traditionally, we would do political work before shows, and then after shows, we would sell pipes to make money to travel to the next show. Um, so the next morning after I'd gone and slept and got up the next day and came, Jack started ripping into me, yelling at me, where the heck were you last night? You were supposed to be out here selling me pipes. And I'm like, man, you got me so high, I couldn't possibly be out there and selling pipes. And he harangues me for a few minutes as he was wont to do. <laughs> a few months later, fast forward to uh, Washington, D.C. at a Grateful Dead show, where I had a chance to kind of get back at him. I gave him some medicated <laughs> items, and he was, uh, I, when, I got, when I got out of the show after Jerry and the boys were done playing, Jack was curled up in the fetal position underneath the table, like <laughs> unable to even speak. He was just completely gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was uh, one of many stories. Jack was, for those who were lucky enough to know him, was truly a force of nature. He, mm -hmm. um, he was like the messiah of, of uh, cannabis. Pretty, pretty amazing person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and okay, how how do people if people want to get find out more information about uh, 
Harborside or uh, the work that you're doing and stuff, how would they go about uh, getting that info? Yeah, I'm HarborsideHealthCenter.com. You can always check on Harborside. And I am uh, RickFromer.WordPress.com. Um, for my website, it's got all my various different sun-grown articles. Um, you can also look for me on Cannabis Now. I'm on Cannabis Now frequently. Uh, there's an article that just got posted up today of the about that Golden Tarp Cup trip. Um, so, yeah, those are the best places. And I'm on Twitter, too, Fromer R, and Instagram, Harborside Rick. excellent excellent well uh thank you very much for uh coming on the show and hopefully we'll be chatting with you soon all right we're back and uh interesting stuff from rick um very honored to have him on the podcast uh yeah, what are we? We're at the uh, strain of the fortnight. Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been, a, been a couple of fortnights. It's uh, been a few fortnights since I've done this. But let's drop a really good strain yeah, of the fortnight on the yeah. people. Well, I think this is one of the best, and uh, there's no denying uh, this. The strain this fortnight is the White Walker OG, which uh, is from the Gold Coast Collection, um, which is basically our, our, you know the guys at uh, GoldCoastUSA.com. Uh, it's a medical marijuana collective based in the L.A. area, Los Angeles. Um, they won a bunch of cups. I don't even know. Like, I could list them, but whatever. It's like a bunch of them. Uh, flowers and concentrates, particularly particularly concentrates. Uh, it's definitely a specialty. Um, the White Walker OG uh, has one in that, in that category for uh, concentrates that have been made out of it. But in Amsterdam last year, it won first place uh, Indica. I believe, yeah, first place Indica winner in 2013 um, at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, and that's for flowers. And when you see the flowers, you'll understand why, because they're, like, ridiculously frosty um, all the way out, like, to the fan leaves, frosty, um, sparkling in the light like a diamond. <laughs> shine, they shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> wow. And um, that's, okay. my, that's my Rihanna. That was um, pretty good. Little shout, shout out to Rihanna if you're listening. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you can expect an above average harvest actually, even though it's a Kush, uh, Kush phenotype, the White Walker gives you a pretty good, uh, pretty above average sized harvest. Um, the plants grow kind of tall, lanky branches that'll eventually keel over as they ap- approach ripeness. So you'll want to use uh, stakes or trellising of some kind. Um, but that's a good thing because, uh, the sugar leaf and nuggets that this strain produces are absolutely incredible. Uh, as for for using to make concentrates, um, and like I said, that's one of their specialties. And they told me uh, there will be a limited release of seeds of the White Walker OG available in early 2015. So uh, we're just a few months away from being able to grow White Walker OG for yourself. Uh, and if you want this, want to have the strain in your arsenal, which I highly recommend, um, you know, pay attention and 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 try to get on those White Walker OG seeds when they come out. Um, the lineage of it is basically it was from a, a rare bag seed of uh, the SFV OG Kush. So its origins are the San Fernando Valley OG Kush, uh, and flowering time is nine to ten weeks. So it's a little, little bit on the longer side, but well, well, well worth it. So check them out at GoldCoastUSA.com, and uh, that's the Gold Coast Collection White Walker OG. All right, very good. Um, and do you remember the Saturday Night Live sketch where, uh, who was it? It was Chris Farley and Adam Sandler played the wife and 
and husband, and she's like reading the Zagat guide to him. And it's like for romantic dining, Danny Yellow's. Every time you do a strain of the week, it reminds me of that. Just had to throw that out there. I guess that puts me in the role of your husband, which is a little uncomfortable. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. All right. Um, Loyal listeners to this program might remember that last week I put out a call for uh, strain names, a strain name competition to honor our Danny Danko, (laughs) the senior cultivation editor of High Times Magazine. Uh, If you were to name a strain after him, what would it be called? We got a lot of responses. Yep. Yeah, we got some responses. Oh, you sound a little uh, less than thrilled about <laughs> no, this. No, no, it was cool. I, you know, I, I, I'm not one to toot my own horn and name strains after myself and things like that. But I think it's a, it was a funny contest. We got some interesting, uh, interesting quality, uh, quality humor out of yeah. uh, some, some dedicated listeners. We did indeed, and I, I think, well, uh, we may not have mentioned this. We've been neglecting our loyal listeners the last few episodes. We did a couple of live ones. It's been a while, so. We're going to do a lot of Q&A today. We're not going to have the cultivation tip, but in its place, let's go over a couple of these uh, these let's do it. strain names for you. Now, you might remember I put out a double D-O-G and Stanko, <laughs> and people kind of took it and ran with it from there. So let's let's go over a couple of these. Yes. We'll start with the emails, uh, freeweed at hightimes.com. Robert sent us Rank Odanko. Rank Odanko. Which is cool. I like it, but it, it <laughs> sounds a little Irish. You were not... An Irish man, are you? Um, no, no, I'm Russian. Right. So speaking of that, uh, to the Twitter real quick, I, I love this one. The sleepy Russian, which would be 100% Indica. Our buddy Duke Duke sent that in. I like nice. that. He also, you could tell this guy really listens to the show. He wrote in Snowbank, which would be in honor of your first time getting right. high. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. That is a good one. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Dankzilla here. I like that one. That's the pretty Dankzilla's good. Dankzilla's good. Uh... Oh, he said he's named his homegrown this. Uh, oh, all he right. could use it for the cause. So, Dankzilla, I nice. like that one. Awesome. Uh, we got Mark uh, Mac Jagger writes. Uh, Just so you know, free weeds the shit, and yeah. it will help change the world. So wow. please keep the shows coming. Uh, he says this is a coincidence because he just named a strain after you that he has created. <laughs> uh, but he wants to know which we like better: Danny Dankball or <laughs> Double DB. What do you think? Uh. I'll go with the double DB. Double DB. DDB. All right. Uh, Mac Jagger, thank you for doing that. We will keep this show up, and hopefully we'll change the world for the better. Moving on, um, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I got it, Mike. The new strain name should be called DD's Antidote. And then he has a bunch of definitions of what antidote means. Now, to me, I'm confused by this. Does that imply that you are poison, and this strain would be the antidote? Hmm. I don't understand. So interesting, gonna, yeah. interesting submission from from fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> antidote. Antidote. Didi's ant- Danny's antidote. All right, let's That's just a do a couple more of these here. Um, all from Twitter. At Percy Grows likes Dank OG. Uh, like that one too. It's not exactly the most creative, but you know, <laughs> good job. Uh, at William Wesley has three. He likes Dutch Danko, Daydream Danny, and. <laughs> Double Bubble Stank OG. Kind of like that one. <laughs> wow. Double Bubble Stank OG. <laughs> and lastly, at Vegas Hannibal wrote uh, Liberum Veriditus. Verid, Veriditus. Hold on. Verid, Is that Latin? Veriditus. Uh, loosely translated, that means free weed. Oh, excellent. Ver- That's free weed in veriditus. Latin. Veriditus. Yeah. Free excellent. weed in Latin. Nice. And that one, actually, if you look at uh, the, the Twitter, 
that was the most favorited and the most retweeted of all the submissions. So we're going to call it that for now. Oh, what yeah, do you that's think? creative. I like that. I like that. Free weed in Latin. Free weed in Latin. All right. You know what? Uh, there's no real prize here, uh, but keep those coming because it, it, I like it. So send those in. And why don't we move on to Q&A, my favorite part of the show. Listener questions answered by you, Danny Danko, on free weed. Let's do it. Okay. If you have a question for Dan, uh, you could reach us freeweed at hightimes.com. Also on Twitter, he is at Danny Danko. I am at MyQs underscore. Let's get started. Uh, Ice writes, hey guys, first off, let me say great show. After episode 67, I went looking for the grow box to no avail. Can you point me in the right direction? Uh, the grow box that uh, sponsors our show is made by BC Northern Lights. So you can go to bcnorthernlights.com. Uh, they have an 800 number you can call to, but check out their website. It's got all the information about uh, the variety of different grow boxes that you can uh, get from them. Sounds like a plug. It does, <laughs> but we also we have a competition. Maybe that's, I think, what he's referring to. The grow box competition. Yeah. Right. If they're, when their Facebook or when, our, when their Twitter reaches 5,000 and our Facebook reaches 5,000, we are going to give away a bloom box, which is like a $2,500, $3,000 uh, plus uh, machine it's for a growing grow pot. Box. Yeah, yeah, it's a great grow box, and we're going to give one away. Um, but we're not reaching those numbers yet, and so uh, you know we're, we'll take our time. It's a it's a product that uh, you know the winner really needs to earn it. <laughs> right, but so they can they what, what can they do? They could like our Facebook page and yeah, follow like, BC Northern Lights on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly, and and try to and try to get other people to do it too. You know, using that hashtag Freeweed or, right. or Freeweed Grow Box. All right. Thank you, Ice. Uh, hopefully that helps you out there. Let's move on to Shelton. Uh, Dear Danko, I want to get into hydro, so I want to know what's the best method for a beginner just starting out. That is redundant, but yeah, he's a beginner, and uh, he also would like you to know that he's going to be using a 10 by 10 tent. What do you think? Huh. That's, uh, that's a good question. I mean, if you're a beginner to growing altogether, I wouldn't start with hydro. I'd start with... Uh, um, you know, some pro mix basically in some uh, five gallon buckets because it's just the most forgiving way to grow. You, you hand water instead of having something like automated, like a hydroponic system. The other thing about hydro is it's just more complicated. I mean, you know, it, the plants grow faster and you do get, you know, better results, but it's the, like driving a race car or a pickup truck. You know, the race car just needs a lot more maintenance. And uh, with hydro, you know, you have to have a reservoir. Uh, constantly filled with pH balanced, uh, you know, nutrient solution. And as the plants use the solution, you have to be topping it off. And uh, the, the things are constantly changing, the parts per million, the pH, it's something you have to really be on top of. So hydro is not really usually what I recommend for beginners unless they come from like that kind of lab based um, way of thinking. But the real easiest way to get started and, and know that you're going to have a harvest at the end is uh, Fill some five-gallon buckets. You can get it at Home Depot, super cheap. Um, cut the ho- cut holes in the bottom, of course, and fill that up with uh, soil soilless mix that you add um, amendments to. You know, I've got mixes up on high times that you can use, and then just hand water uh, for a while. The stuff that you added to that soil is going to feed the plants. After three weeks to a month or so, it's probably going to mostly be gone from there, and you're going to have to start adding a nutrient solution. Uh, in your watering system. So that's the easiest, simplest way to get through a, a two to three month grow cycle 
um, intact with a harvest and not have to worry about all of the different uh, bells and whistles of a hydro system. Now, if you insist on if you're insisting on going hydro, um, the air for the 10 by 10 room, I'd put uh, uh, General Hydroponics makes uh, these Aero 60s or whatever, 60 uh, plant units that you can put. Uh, that's really one of the uh, like the Rolls Royces that it uses uh, a lot of spray and mist and, and, and nutrient film technique and all. Of, uh, it combines several of the um, technologies of hydroponics. And, you know, that's the Ferrari of, uh, you know, yeah, what, is, what does something like that go for? I'd have to guess, you know, five or six hundred dollars, maybe more. Oh, okay. So that's the thing. I mean, uh, maybe a thousand, you mm-hmm. know, because it comes with a timer that, uh, you know, that uh, feeds the plant, like you know, that feeds it uh, intermittently, and a pump pumps that not even inside the reservoir, so it doesn't create heat inside the reservoir. The pump is outside the reservoir, so there's, you know, that's like I said, that's it's high end, the high end, thing. Yeah. and you can go deep water culture as well, which is you know, you use the same five gallon buckets, but you aerate. The solution inside the buckets with a, with a lot of oxygen, and you can grow plants like that as well. But um, like I said, my first recommendation is try soilless mix before you go hydro. And with hydro, you know, tread tread lightly and make sure um, make sure you don't get in too deep where you're you know you, at a certain point you're just buying equipment to counter things that you wouldn't even have to deal with in a soilless mix. So like ch- reservoir chillers and um, things like that. Yeah, there's a lot to handle there. Uh, we also have the, the hydro report. We do that every February, so that'll be coming out in the next mm-hmm. uh, couple months there. Let's move on. Thank you, Shelton. We hope that helps. Please uh, follow up with us. Let us know what you think. Let's move on to Michael. He has a CO2 question. Uh, first off, love the podcast. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thanks. After tons of internet and book research, the consensus is 1,500 parts per million in a sealed room. However, there really isn't anything but anecdotal evidence supporting this. Also, there is complete and utter confusion on whether to use higher temps and or higher humidity when using CO2. Please answer this for the community. Okay. Um, as far as 1500, it is a fairly like kind of arbitrary thing. I've always heard that you know, anything more than 2000 is uh, just not going to be absorbed by the plants at, at, at a rate that's... Um, reasonable so 15 is kind of where they dialed it in years and years ago and that's where it's kind of stayed uh i know that higher levels uh, of ppms of co2 can actually um cause damage you know like uh co2 dr- uh, drops to the floor if you happen to fall asleep on the floor or something you you know you'd be deprived of oxygen um so there's there are dangerous levels of it and uh, you know i've gotten definitely gotten drowsy in rooms at you know higher than 1500 ppms constantly pumping um it's definitely a displacement of some of some oxygen in the air and uh yeah as far as heating you 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 can go with higher heat when you're using co2 but you it's not advisable i mean you're always wanting trying to keep heat down for the most part so you know while you can grow at 80 82 degrees um, when you're using CO2, I wouldn't advise it. I'd still try to get it down uh, lower if you can into the 70s, you know, um, if possible. So, you know, you can grow at higher temps when you use CO2, but it's not necessarily a great thing to do that. Um, as far as humidity levels, yeah, I mean, you definitely want to alternate between um, CO2 and, you know, hum- humidity. You want to have, I, th- I would imagine, a little bit of a higher humidity um but you always kind of want to find you know somewhere between 40 and 60 
percent in the room so uh co2 really i don't think plays a huge role in where your humidity level should be okay thank you michael hopefully that helps out and uh let's move on to alexander who's writing us from pennsylvania hi guys great show my wife and i have been growing outdoors um we've been experiencing insect problems mostly mites Please give me a better understanding of how to use tobacco leaf tea as an organic pesticide. And he wants to know the amounts and the concentration, uh, or uh, whether I should even be using this in the first place. So what do you think? To, uh, tobacco leaf tea? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of people using that. I don't have much experience personally with it. Um, kind of, you know, not a big tobacco fan to begin with, but I definitely have heard of people steeping uh, tobacco leaves in water and spraying it to get rid of uh, russet mites and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, a good idea is having companion plants as well. Um, recently I saw, um, you know, a Gaia, Gaia plant-based medicine. They have beans growing amongst some of the plants in, in order to uh, kind of attract any mites to the beans because they like them more than the cannabis. Um, so they're kind of the canary in the coal mine for, for mites and stuff for them. If they get them on the beans, they cut down the beans and hopefully they spare the spare the cannabis um marigolds are also a good uh good companion plant to have there's lots of them out there if you just google companion plants and stuff but uh i I don't know enough about the uh tobacco leaf one if any of our listeners do though uh please send in um your experiences with it and uh we'll read that on a future episode um that's like tobacco leaf tea being used for uh mite control all right thank you alexander let's move on to michael he writes uh well first of all the subject line is pretty good does size count in <laughs> seeds? Um, Mr. Danny, right away off the bat with the respect. Mr. Danny, uh, thank you for doing your job so well. I have learned so much from your grow tips. I just bought a five pack of seeds and one seed was three times the size of the others. Is it like puppies? The one with the biggest paws gets to be the big dog? <laughs> uh, in my experience, uh, seed size really doesn't have much to do uh, with the size of plants at all. Uh, I've definitely seen lots of different seed sizes, and uh, typically some of the older, like uh, more land-race sativas, tend to have smaller seeds than like uh, some of the uh, land-race indicas and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it, seed size does not determine plant size. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I'd be more worried that just this weird, huge seed came in a five pack of seeds, and, <laughs> and the other four are all the same. I mean, that's just that's a little weird. But. That is a bit odd. Uh, but it doesn't affect the size of the plant that you're going to get. All right, so it is not like puppies. It certainly might be different genetics, though, you know. I mean, yeah. That that that's what I would question if I had so a, maybe like one an seed acorn that was very or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a, you know, it's still <laughs> a, still a pot seed, I would imagine, but All right, uh, so you heard it here first, uh, size doesn't matter to Danko. Let's uh, actually Michael has one more question. Um he writes, I'm 54 years old and very sick. I need to know which strain would help me want to eat. Uh, so he's looking for a uh, super munchy strain, he says. What, what do you think? A, a strain that gives you the munchies that's easily obtainable. Any thoughts? Um, I mean, I think a lot of the hazes tend to give me the munchies. Um, so I would say like super silver haze, uh, Jack Harrer kind of uh, Cali Mist, uh, the ghost train haze, uh, something like that. Those tend to get me get me uh pretty hungry and and that sort of thing some people tend to have indicas make them uh, more more hungry so really got to experiment and find the one you love uh i know people talk about blue dream and strawberry cough as well as being like appetite inducing stuff all sativas for you there 
Yeah, I mean, that's the way kind of, I don't know, that's the way I kind of see munchies. I mean, indicas tend to kind of just make me tired and not super duper hungry. Sativas, you know, have that stimulant factor that makes you, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, go to the fridge, have some strawberries, blueberries, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. I've been hearing a lot, too, about the dab diet. People uh, say they've lost a lot of weight doing dabs. I've so. seen, I've heard anecdotal evidence of people who are doing dabs, and then they seem to not get the munchies as much from doing dabs, and they've ended up losing weight because they don't have, like, uh, late-night munchies uh, that they used to get smoking a lot of flour. Now, that's just a couple people, but it's still pretty interesting to think about um, as a, you know, diet kind of thing, as an appetite suppressant. Yeah. You know? I mean... Uh, f- pharmaceutical companies are looking for that sort of thing, um, you know, hand over fist because right, there's so much right. money to be made. But Well, maybe we'll uh, devote a little more attention to that subject in the future. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, Michael, for your questions, and uh, we hope that helps. Let us know if you find a good munchie strain. Let's stick with seeds for a minute and move on to uh, Mario. Uh, hello there, gentlemen. Oh, I like this one. Uh, I hope you're doing well. The last episode of Free Weed from Mike Hughes was top-notch. <laughs> Co-host Danny Danko was in rare form. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Mario. That's exactly correct. Uh, wow. <clears throat> anyway, his question. Uh, it's regarding starting seeds in large containers. I tried this once, but I ran into problems with overwatering, and the container took a long time to dry out, which led to some mold. So how do I manage the water levels when starting seeds in large containers? How do you manage runoff? Right. What, what do you think? First off, just uh, you're watering too much. I mean, this, the plant only has a very small root system at that time, so you really only need to water the top, you know, inch or two of the of the soil uh, in the, at, right where the root zone is. So you shouldn't be having runoff and, and things like that until the plant has developed a larger root system. Um, also, it's not a bad thing to start... Uh, in a you know smaller cup as long as you don't let it get too root bound and transplant into the larger container because you really don't it doesn't make sense to water a bunch of soil that doesn't have roots in it yet um so if you feel like you need to like really soak it you might as well just do that in a smaller container and then uh gently transplant back into a bigger container before you have like any kind of root bound issues in the small one all right keep them coming mario i like i like your style I like that. So, we, oh yeah, I should remind everybody, this is Free Weed from Mike Hughes. Co-host Danny Danko <laughs> is with me as always. Let's move on to the speed round. What do you say, Dan? Let's do it. All right. Jeremy Wright says, hi, guys. My question is about hermaphrodites. In plants, of course. Uh, some people say that the seeds from uh, the hermaphrodite are guaranteed to be females. Some people say it's 50-50. Uh, what do you say, Danny? I say that it's 50-50 hermaphrodite and female in most of those type of pollinations, that's what you'll end up with. Um, the way that they make female seeds is different from just uh, doing that. They have to actually like cull them down and, and things like that. So um, yeah, when a hermaphrodite pollinates itself, typically you get half female and half hermaphrodite uh, flowers or around half and half ratio from those first seeds that come up, that pop out. All right, cool. Thank you, Jeremy. Hopefully that helps you out. And uh, let's do two more here. Aaron writes us, I love the show. I've been a listener since the beginning. I would love to hear more free hash episodes. So that's good. I'm glad that uh, people were enjoying that. His question is for you, Dan. Who would be in your ultimate circle, living or dead, famous or not, three people that you would choose to get stoned with? Well, interesting. Uh, Yeah, that's a tough one because you want to go for the obvious, like Bob Marley or John Lennon. Um, I don't know. I feel like Carl Sagan, 
you know, I'll, I'll do those three. Bob okay. Marley, Carl Sagan, and, and John Lennon. John Lennon. That's yeah. a good group. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, It'd be a fun mind, session. Yeah, fly on the wall in that room. I'm sure you guys would have quite the discussion. So thank you, Aaron, for that. Uh, let's do one more. And this is from Thomas. He is a disabled veteran in need of help. Uh, I lost the lower half of my body from an IED. Retired after 22 years active, 15 reserves. I am, was an EOD tech in the Navy. Uh, explosives ordnance disposal. Rank of senior chief petty officer. Weed is about the only thing that helps me with the pain and spasms. I take a total of 36 different pills a day. I hate the side effects from all the meds. Is it easier to grow my own? Tennessee has no medical weed. Most think it's still the 60s here. Any help on uh, what I need to do to get started? Growing, uh, to, going to another state is impossible. Cannot ride in a car for over 30 minutes or I start having spasms and increased pain. Guys, I'm stuck in a hole trying to crawl out. Uh, what do you think, Dan? What wow. I mean, that's, that's heavy duty. That's, you know, I, I hear from a lot of veterans about, you know, the benefits of marijuana, but I mean, that's just a, um, you know, really, you know, sad story. And, and thank you for your service, uh, and sacrifice. And yeah, I mean, if you can't get out of the state, it's really difficult, you know, for me to recommend you grow in a place where, uh, you, you know, you, you would be per persecuted and prosecuted for it. Um, but at the same time, if it's what's helping you to stay alive, I think that outweighs, you know, that. And I don't think that there's a jury, hopefully, in your area that would convict you um, for creating your own medicine. Although, you know, don't take that as advice because, um, you know, I'd hate to see anything happen. You yeah, know, it's a tough spot. Beyond to what you've already been through, uh, you know, with law enforcement and stuff. So it is a very tough spot. But, you know, your your health outweighs a lot in my opinion and uh so please do do what you feel like you need to do to uh to survive and beyond that i mean it's hard for me to make you know to give you advice on growing <laughs> but you know it's it's fulfilling it's it's fun and it gives you a purpose and and a, it's enjoyable um so those are good things that come from it and creating your own medicine is a cathartic process um that not a lot of people get to experience and uh you know uh, best of luck to you and thanks again for uh your service and sacrifice yeah 36 different pills a day that's uh that is amazing yeah, that's um, yeah. well uh thomas please follow up with us and let us know you know what you decide to do or uh if you you know go down a, a certain path that you think is right you know we're here to help so definitely keep us posted on that you guys thank you so much for all of the uh, the notes the tweets and the emails uh, again it is uh, freeweed at hightimes.com. He is at Danny Danko. Uh, I am at Mike Hughes underscore. I forgot who I was for a minute there. <laughs> and uh, I know there was a bunch we didn't get to. We're going to do a bunch more next week. But uh, hopefully that, that you know, satisfies everybody's uh, appetite for those Q&As. So what do you say we take a little break, come back, put a bow on it? Let's do it. All right, this is the wrap uh, we, where we wrap it up with the raw papers. Um, been a great show. Uh, Free Weed, episode number 70. Thanks, uh, as always, to Jacques and Winstrong. Um, thank you to uh, the lady in Alaska, Charmo. for uh, <laughs> Alaska lady. Yeah, thank you to Rick Frommer. Um, 
Thanks uh, to everyone that sent in uh, letters and questions and, and, and strains and everything. Um, thanks to our sponsor, BC Northern Lights. And thanks to you guys for listening. Episode 70, put her in the books. <laughs>